Do you believe there is more to your career than waiting for the gold watch in 40 years? Did you know that the average American spends 200 hours a year commuting to a job they probably hate? Does it frost your ass to get a 2% raise that barely keeps up with the rate of inflation? Have you ever worked for a boss hole? We know how you feel, and we want to help. Welcome to the Boss Free Society Podcast, your entertaining entrepreneur therapy session with your hosts, Tim Wambach and Patty Dominguez. Couch not included. Hi, everybody. This is Patty Dominguez. And I'm Tim Wambach. And we are your co-hosts for Boss Free Society. And this is episode 000 the official zero zero episode just to introduce ourselves a little bit and give us, give us, give you our story. Yeah. A little background, see who we are and, and why we decided to create this podcast. I mean, I think we both are podcast junkies to a certain degree and we love uh, consuming content. And this was just a, an avenue for us to kind of, you know, come together with a lot of different information and how we've both become boss free and, and you know, the, the steps to get there and the trials and tribulations and not to sound too cliche. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I, I was just thinking about the fact that we were talking or I was talking with Tim just before we came on about how many podcasts I listened to and everything that I learned just kind of merges together because who even listens to terrestrial radio anymore is my question really. But yeah, it's it's a dying it's a dying entity, I think. And even paid, right? Like Sirius and XM, or I thought they merged at one point in time. Yeah, I'm not sure. I never really was a serious listener. <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely listened to for Howard Stern, obviously, who is just the greatest interviewer in the entire world. So I'm a diehard fan or was when I was in college. But um, so here we are. He has inspired us to start a podcast, certainly inspired me. And so I want to get started with you, Tim, if that's OK, just ask sure. a little bit about who you are. Who is Tim? Oh, my God. How much time? You were born? <laughs> well, I was born on Thursday, February 14th, 1974. <laughs> it was snowing that day, and it was 6.34 p.m., and I came out. <laughs> oh, you came out into the world. You did. No. So uh, my name's Tim Wabach, and uh, I, I run the managing director of Handicap This Productions. And really what Handicap This Productions is, it's a two-man stage show. Uh, myself and Mike Berkson, we travel the country spreading our message of inclusion and, and disability awareness. Mike has cerebral palsy. I met him way back in 2001, I was Mike's one-on-one aide in school. And I basically did the things for Mike that he wasn't able to do for himself. Mike uh, is, has severe cerebral palsy, virtually has no movement of his arms and his legs. So that's kind of how our relationship started. And you know, long story short, our relationship blossomed. We just really had a lot in common. And you know, I wanted to help Mike. And, and in helping Mike, he helped me a great deal as well. And we decided that, you know, people started asking us to do speaking engagements and things of that nature. So Mike and I started doing speaking engagements like in 2005, people like heard about our relationship and things like that. So then everyone loved our speaking engagements and it went really, every, everyone really responded to us. So we decided what if we turned our speeches into like a stage show and we premiered Handicap This in, in 2010 and we've basically been 
doing it now for almost five years. We've been traveling the country, going to colleges, going to corporations and sharing our story. And in doing so, you know, that's allowed me to become boss free in a way that, you know, I'm Mike and I, we, we do our show and then we also do keynote speaking as well. So the, those are two kind of streams of uh, income for us. And we've been doing, like I said, we've been doing it since 2010 and obviously, you know, it started off slow and then, we picked up a lot of steam and, and we've been doing it successfully for quite a while. So it's killer. And, and I went to see your show not too long ago, which I really enjoyed. And I thought it was such a great kind of cross section between real conversations as candid as they are about what it it's like to live as someone with cerebral palsy, as well as some comedy thrown in there. And it's just a really good mix of everything. It's the kind of show where you walk away and think, holy crap, I cried, I laughed my ass off, and uh, and in the process, I'm inspired. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. You know, we, 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 uh, we say that you'll laugh, you'll cry, and we'll entertain the pants off, yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, uh, mission accomplished. I know that was definitely the case when I went there. I really enjoyed it. So, tell us, uh, tell us what you think or where you see Handicap This going. I mean, how do you see it evolving? Well, right, and this is really good for what we're talking about as far as boss free, because you know, in business, you know, you're looking at our business model. If we're not traveling, if we're not on the road, if we're not in front of an audience, we weren't making any money. So, you know, we tried selling merchandise, and I'll tell you right now, selling merchandise sucks. <laughs> to be yeah. perfectly honest, it, it's it's just you know, you you're you, you really have to have you know, extreme following in order really, I think, to make any type of money on merchandise. So anyway, really what, what we've been able to do is we're we're putting our show online and we are going to sell it to high schools and we have online curriculum attached to it. So this is a way for us to make money while we sleep, basically. Now, it's still in the process. We haven't, you know, we haven't created it just yet, but we're hoping to have it available May 2015. And that's really, you know, what I see that as being a way for us to kind of break free of the of the business model that we currently have where, you know, if we're not traveling, we're not making any money. So that's, that's one, you know, thread. And, and Mike and I have three dreams that, that we're really excited about attached to our show. And that is we want to perform on Broadway. That's uh, you know, a big dream of ours. We want there to be a major motion picture made about our relationship. And then the last one is we want to host Saturday night live. Now, if any one of those three happen, I mean, it's a huge home run. And obviously, you know, those three are huge, huge dreams. And, and my philosophy is you want to have big dreams to shoot for because, you know, after you accomplish them, you know, that you, you really got to set the next one, you know, in line before you, uh, you know, you don't want to set let complacency set in. And I think with those three, those three goals, those three dreams, you know, it's going to take a while for, for any one of those to, come to fruition. So it's kind of like we're always working towards it. I don't know if you're familiar with the astronauts who went on the moon there. And when they came back from, from being on the moon, I think almost all of them to a man were severely depressed shortly after that, because here they were landing on the moon. What else is there? Oh, they had hit the pinnacle of the goal that they wanted to reach. Right. So really, you know, I think that's, that's why we have those big goals 
And then once we're close to hitting them, I'm going to, you know, come up with, with some, new some ones. more goal. Yeah, some new ones so that we're, you know, you're always striving because I think Tony Robbins says that if you're not growing, you're you're dying. That's right. And, you know, that's – and if, you're, if your life is not – an example, it's a warning. So, you know, I, I, I try to learn from, from people before me. Yeah, definitely. So tell me specific to, I mean, Handicap This, how did the show even come about? I mean, I know that you had said that you were doing some speeches and whatnot, but who came up with the format? Yeah, so, you know, really it started with Mike and I just saying, let's turn it into a show. Mike had seen, there was a one-man stage show um, that you might be familiar with, John Leguizamo. Um, of course. He had a one-man stage show, and it was called uh, Freak, I believe. Yes, yes. And it was, like, about his family because he had – his mom was Puerto Rican and his dad was Mexican or vice versa. I'm not sure which is which. But he, he had, like, this – he said this really crazy upbringing. And, you know, that was kind of like the format or the template saying, okay, well, if he – kind of did that with his upbringing. Why don't we do that with our relationship? You know, that was kind of how it happened. And we, we originally had our friend of ours, Molly Mulcrone, she helped write the first script and she finished that first script. It was September of 2009. And then we premiered in January, 2010. And then that first script actually had three other ensemble actors along with Mike and I. And after that debut, and Mike and I, our real goal was to you know, take it on the road and to travel, and we've been extremely hard to do that with three other ensemble actors. So we started just kind of recreating the script, and you know, we we literally have not done the same show twice. Like it's crazy. Like we have made just every after every show, we always make like sixteen different different adjustments or, or changes, and, and we're always fine tuning it and saying the same thing differently, you know, to see what, right. you know, where the reactions are and, and things of that nature. So it's always fun to continue to kind of mold. It's like we're playing with Play-Doh, basically. So there's a lot of just creative freedom around the process, right? Yeah, yeah and that's the beauty of, of what we do is, you know, it's our story, right? So if something happens to us, we have the freedom to, to throw it into the show. And we've done that recently without getting into the story. Just something happened to us when we were on the road. And we've now put that into the show and it's like a, you know, not a big piece, but it's a, it's a piece where it can stand by itself. And, you know, it's a really funny piece. And that's just something that, you know, because we're creative and because, you know, we're, I guess you could say we're improvisers as well, that we're able to, you know, kind of fine tune certain stories and really add value with by with our experiences basically right that's awesome and then you've also done a ted talk which i also like hearing about and i think that's such a cool experience how did that come about yeah that came about you know just through networking really i was at a conference and i just was sharing our story with with an individual his name is mitch matthews and mitch said oh my god you guys need to speak in Iowa City at this TED Talk. And I'm like, hey, I'd love to. And he, so he put me in contact with the, I guess, the promoters of the organization, of the event. And that's how it happened. I mean, literally, it was one person saying, you know, send your story to this person. And then it happened. And I always, what I love about our TED Talk was that uh, the date was 11 11 11. So it was November 11th, 2011. That's when that's we did awesome. our, our talk. And it just, it was just so cool. Like it was such a great, experience for us early on because that was over three years ago now yeah that's a feather in your cap i mean how many people can say that they've done that which is really great yeah and you can find it i guess it's 
TEDx Iowa City was the organization or the location of the place of the event. event. And then uh, if you do handicap this TEDx Iowa City, I think it's got like over 7,000 views on YouTube already. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. So what does boss free mean to you? So boss free to me means to live on your own terms and, you know, not to answer to the man. <laughs> you know, I've, I've always been someone who, I, and this, this sounds bad, but it's not meant to sound bad, but I guess I never really played well with authority, I guess is the best way to describe it. Mm. You know, going back to school and just, you know, I never really, I guess I always felt, not, not that I had a better way, but I, if, if I was, let's say if I was a, an employee, you know, it, most times when you're an employee, the job is boring and I always had my way of doing things. So it would be less boring. And, you know, the uh, the bosses did not uh, necessarily agree with, you know, the way I did things or, you know, I, I didn't agree with the way they did things. And I guess really it's just knowing that there's more out there is always what is what my what I fall back on always is, you know, trading time for dollars is, is a tough go around. And, you know, the world has been changing so rapidly and that's, that model has died. That model died a long time ago, but yet we're still doing it. You know, people think that having a job is safe when in actuality, that's one source of income. And if you lose that one source of income, that's about as risky as, as it can be, is, is how I look at it. Yeah, definitely. So how long has it been since you've had a job as an employee? That's a good question. I guess 2004, I want to say is, I mean, that, I would say that would be the last, you know, an actual, an actual employee. I worked for school system. I was Mike's one-on-one aide. That was pretty much the last time. And that was through the school that I was, that I was Mike's one-on-one aide. So you were an employee of the school for Mike. Correct. Yes. All right. So not necessarily a corporate type of environment. I mean, you were still directly with Mike. Yeah. And, but it was, again, it was kind of like, this is just, you know, when I was working with Mike, there'd be days that Mike wouldn't be at school. And, you know, and my thought is here, you know, I'm here for Mike. If Mike's not there, I shouldn't have to be there. Right. right. And they didn't look at it that way. And I totally get what they're, and they're right. I mean, that, that I, you know, <laughs> I'm an employee of, you know, of their entity, but uh, I guess I, I wasn't necessarily the best team player uh, when I worked with Mike in that respect. Got it. Got it. So good time. So it's been 10 years and I can't imagine you ever having a job. So yeah, good for it, you. It, <laughs> at this point, it's, I've ruined myself for, uh, <laughs> for forever, forever. Yeah. Forever. Good. Now. Okay. Enough about me, Miss Dominguez. Why don't we talk about your rise to uh, entrepreneurship and to being boss free? Sure. So my name is Patty Dominguez. I live in Chicago and I have been boss free since March of 2013. So closing in on two years almost, which is really great. And my entire background has really uh, come from the encouragement that my parents always gave. They came from a third world country to United States. So I'm first generation born here in the United States and their big vision for me was to go to a really good school and of course to be the first one to graduate from college and then to have a really good job. And my dad always talked about a good job meaning having a door, so having an office and then having a really nice car 
and the cell phone. That's what was his version of really making it, you know. So that was my entire vision around, oh, I got to make it. I have to, you know, climb the corporate ladder. And I was really willing to do that. And I mean, it was really interesting because I did exactly as was expected. I mean, the formula was there. I went to school. I finished in four years. But when I graduated from college, I had spent semester and a half around, uh, it was about a year. I spent a year in Spain and I loved it so much there that I just really took a lot of the way that they live to heart. I'll never forget I was in college and I was looking for extra money. So I got a job at a clothes boutique and I remember when the woman hired me, she said, hey, come on Saturday at 10 a.m. And then on Saturday, sure enough, I got there at a quarter to 10 because, you know, you're supposed to show up early. And I show up and I'm waiting. It's 10 o'clock. It's 10.05. And, then, you know, back in the day, I didn't have a cell phone. So just, just hanging around waiting for her. And she shows up at around 10.10. And I say to her, hey, aren't you supposed to be open at 10? She goes, well, it's my boutique. It's my store. I'm the owner. So I get to open it whenever I get here. And she's like, you Americans, your whole life is about working and we work to live. And that's the difference. And she goes, you should really listen to that because it's going to help you in your life. Wow. And, that's powerful. Right. And at the time I was like, okay, anyway, you know, cause I wanted to make money, but I did a, a few jobs out there. When I graduated from DePaul University here in Chicago, I did go back to Spain and I lived there for a few years. And I absolutely loved it. I wasn't able to get my visa renewed, so I got kicked out of the country. But what I did learn is just a way of living that is so very different than here in the U.S., meaning they really do have just a a bigger vision about living and enjoying yourself, family and friends, and, and just really celebrating life. I think at a different level, at least that was my experience being there. So when I came back home, I worked as a waitress and as a bartender for a while and looking to get back into the whole corporate environment as is expected. And I was able to work in different companies, Fortune 100 companies climbing the ladder. And I remember when to go get my master's degree, my MBA, I started it when I was pregnant and I ended it when I was pregnant with my second kid. So very fast paced. I can tell you it was just a crazy time in my life because I was juggling a full-time job and going to grad school full-time. So graduating out of there, I just had this itch. You know, I said, okay, I've been at this particular company for, you know, eight and a half years, nine years, and it's really time for me to move on. I had kind of pigeonholed myself in a particular job. So I went into consulting, and when I was in consulting, I worked both on the client side as well as on the marketing side. And when I was in marketing, I really enjoyed myself. I've always just had this, I love marketing, I love branding, I love that whole category, you know, that whole area. Right. And I'll never forget, though, it was going really well at the consulting job. I thought, oh, like I hit the mother load. I was making the most that I had ever made in my career. And in December of 2008, I came back from a conference about a week before, and I was really excited about implementing what I had learned because at the time I was a director of marketing there. And a week later, like right before Christmas, we got let go. So there was something really pathetic, <laughs> this feeling of utter patheticness, if that's a word, it's not. But walking out of that job, out of that office with just a cardboard box and all my stuff, you know, the pictures of my kids and just 
crap that I had collected. So I had fully nested, you know, I was just a big nester in that job. And I remembered as I was walking out of there, I'm like, I'm never going to let this happen to me again, ever. You know, like all dramatic, ever. (laughs) So what happened? Uh, December 2008, after about two weeks of sulking on the couch, you know, you go through all these phases of like, I'm pissed and then I'm sad and then I'm angry and then I'm upset and then I'm depressed. And I ate lots of organic uh, tortilla chips and salsa and guacamole. And so I gained about 11 pounds and then I was like, okay, it's time for me to get my ass up and do something. (laughs) So, you know, January, 2009, I mean, think about October of 2008, market crashes. That's why we got let go. And really, when you look at 2009, it was just such a brutal year for looking for work. And that, my mindset was all about, how do I look for work? Where can I go and apply? And oh, by the way, everybody else was, it seemed like they were out of a job too, you know, so it was just really hurting for opportunities. And thank God for social media and LinkedIn, because I was able to make some connections. I was doing some freelance uh, consulting at the time, which was okay. But in the back of my mind, I always said, I'm like, wait, there's got to be a better way. Like, I am no different than the French fry guy at McDonald's, you know. I can lose my job at any given point, and as much as I make a six-figure salary, my job's not an asset. And right in around that time at the, I think it was, I think I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in 2007 or something like that. I was like, oh, this book is amazing. But at the time, all I had read was about investing in real estate. Like, I, that was where my head was at. Do you know what I mean? And we had some money. My husband and I had money and we were going to invest it in buying a building as an investment property. And then there was just something about it. I was like, you know what? I'm not ready to pull the trigger. And we were talking like, oh, it's a lot of money. Should we do it? And thank God we didn't because the market crashed (laughs) in 2008. So it was that money that helped carry us in 2009, you know, in large part because two weeks after I lost my job, my husband lost his job. So we were both unemployed in 2009. I was 10 months unemployed and he was a little bit less, but it was a really brutal year. But I always had at the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm not going to nest anymore in a job and I'm going to find a way out. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but I know that there's a better way than just trading time for money and then really just being at the risk and like where the employer on a whim could just let you go because I was seeing that. And then fast forward, I mean, at the time in 2009, in the fall, I took a job uh, for another consulting firm, got a huge pay cut. It's about 30%. It was an employer's market. I mean, they didn't care. They were just like, hey, take it. And they knew that they can get great people at a lower price. So 2010, moved over to my first company where I spent uh, nine years at. There was just an opportunity for me to jump in there, and I was there most recently. And the entire time, you know, as you climb the corporate ladder, you know, you look and it's just leaning against the wrong wall. Right. <laughs> so I turned down a job in January of 2013, and but prior to that, prior to that, I was thinking, how do I get out of here? So I did hire a coach. You know, I looked. Um, I looked at a lot of different coaches and one thing, no dig on any coaches out there, by the way, but one thing that I did want to do is connect with somebody that was doing a lot better than I was doing. So I, I was very specific about who I wanted to coach with, meaning somebody who had been really, really successful in entrepreneurship. So I was able to find someone and they were just able to get my thinking right because it's a totally different way of thinking. 
And the biggest message that I learned from my coach at the time, his name is Jeffrey Combs, is, you know, entrepreneurs create new money. And that's right. what it's about. And the difference in the mentality is that when you have a job, it doesn't matter if you're sitting around and totally jerking around, not doing anything, every two weeks you're going to get a paycheck. And when you're an entrepreneur, it's like you have to figure out, you have to do what's required in order for you to create those opportunities for income. Totally different mindset. Exactly. Totally different mindset. And that was the most powerful shift for me in 2013. I mean, it's that shift, you know, allowed me to let go of that panic because when I quit my job, at the beginning, it's really cool and sexy. And I felt like, yes, you know, I bit, you know, <laughs> you feel invincible, like you're bulletproof. And then all of a sudden you're like, what did I just do? You know, you leave a, a really healthy six-figure salary and then you're just like, holy crap. But I'm telling you, just get yourself around, you know, other entrepreneurs who are doing it, who are doing the do and focus on your mindset every single day and creating those opportunities. And again, entrepreneurs create new money. And that is just the most powerful thing I learned when I went out on my own. So it sounds like what you're saying is that the mindset that that's where it's everything that's where you were able to go from an employee to an entrepreneur. Yeah, so there's a, the whole concept of you can't shoehorn your way to success. It's like if you are in such anxiety about, you know, not creating money or just like, oh, I have to sell my product. I have to sell, you know, 200 units of my product. And you're just so desperate. And when you're coming from that vibe of desperation, all the roadblocks are just going to, they just come up. It's almost like the world just creates these obstacles for you. And you're like, why isn't this working for me? You know, conversely to that, you know, I hear so many podcasts, so many different people that I learn from, and they say, you just have to be in the flow. You know, you have to let things flow naturally. Don't operate from a place of anxiety and just let it go and know that what you're giving is value. And then just think about who you want to attract. I know that sounds woo woo. <laughs> you know, didn't know that we want to go there on this episode, but I can't tell you, it's just really a mindset choice of what you want to create. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you put it perfectly. That's the secret ingredient. Everyone wants to know, well, what, what do you, how do you do it? And it doesn't sound like you said it, it sounds woo-woo, what, if you will, <laughs> but that's what it is. The secret it really is. is that, you know, it's a mindset shift. And I think that too many times people probably think that that's too, it's too easy. That, that It's just too easy just to be that. But it really, it's not that, it, it, it's not easy to change your mindset. You know, that's, that's the thing. It might be something easy on paper, but in practicality, it's not. Yeah. So it's been going good now. Uh, what I do is um, I do uh, coaching. I do consulting. Um, I have my online product that's launching in 2015. Um, I got my podcast, with my buddy over here, Tim Wambach, and just some really, really good things and really reinventing myself and always looking at um, how, do, how do you get your brand that is you out there. And I just think it's so exciting. It's so much more fun to be doing things. And I'll tell you, though, you do have to be disciplined, you know, because it's so easy to slack off and be like, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes, I can go to lunch for three hours. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you have to make some decisions on how you're investing your time, who you're around. That's another really, really big one. So I, I'm very careful about who I surround myself with because, you know, I want to continuously improve, you know, to know that I'm really tapping into as much of my full potential as I can. So that's what's really important to me. 
Yeah, I think another thing you just mentioned, discipline. That's another huge asset to have in the column uh, when you want to go boss-free. Uh, and, and it's not, its not like you said, I mean, you, you have the ability to take a three-hour lunch sometimes. And that three-hour lunch, if you do that every day, is not going to help. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But like you, I, too, am ruined. I heard this quote from Michael O'Neill, fellow podcaster. He said, I know too much. Not that he knows too much intellectually, but that he knows, because he does, by the way, but that he knows too much about what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And and the thought of going back to a job is just not even in the realm of consciousness. Like It right. just wouldn't be an option anymore. So what I work on very consistently is the mindset. And I've heard people say, hey, even if I lose it all tomorrow, I'll know exactly what I need to do to get it back. And that's just like going balls out every day and being okay with failing and just knowing that you have what it takes to come right back up. So that is what I think is so important. That's awesome. Yeah. Boom. So how do you think that we should end this episode, Patty? This is, you know, this is monumental stuff we got here. Yeah, well, I definitely think this is just really a prelude to what's coming. I think most importantly, our show is going to be really centered around entertainment, right? We want to share stories of other people and the stories that you may hear and somebody may say something that will resonate with you, where you want to move forward. If you're looking for how to, how to, let's say, how to optimize your Twitter profile or, you know, how to do Facebook pay-per-click. How to use LinkedIn. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen on this show. You, there are so many wonderful shows out there where you can learn all those skills. Hey, if somebody throws it in, cool, but don't expect that because this is really just about storytelling. And what we were talking about, Tim, is it's kind of like this online entrepreneur therapy session. <laughs> right, because, you know, the thing is, and, and I think – it's tough. It's not, you know, it's not easy to be your own boss. And I think what we're going to offer people is, you know, we're going to tell it like it is. We're not going to hold any punches. We're not going to, you know, lie and we're not going to, you know, sugarcoat anything. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're going to be real and we're going to, you know, tell real stories and be who we are and, and be authentic to ourselves and to our message and, and know that we're here to help. You know, that at the end of the day, you know, we've gone down that road and we want to help others go down that road. Well, and I'll tell you, it's always changing, right? So there, I mean, I could easily freak out, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> and so just hearing these stories of how people do stuff and again, the collaboration and, and creating the tribe and knowing that there's other people doing things out there and going through the obstacles and the failures. It just, there is a lot of solace in that, you know, to know that it's okay to fail because, oh, so-and-so did it too. And hey, I know I can come right back. So. And that's what I try to tell too, like my friends and people that want to know anything from me, <laughs> which <laughs> no, is that, you know, you're not, if, like if you fail, if you, if you start a business and you fail or you start a product and you fail, I don't believe that you failed. You had a learning experience. So now if you're going to launch another product or if you're going to start another business, you have whatever you did, you know, prior to that, you know, okay, I'm not going to do it that way because, you know, it's you have on-the-job training and you're going to figure out the ways through because of those mistakes that you made. There's a funny story about, it was FDR. He got in his, in his plane when he was president and they got up and they were about to, you know, to get, you know, get to the soaring altitude and they realized, oh my God, we don't have enough fuel. We got to go back. 
so they go back to refuel and everyone thought that FDR was going to fire the guy who forgot to refuel. And uh, FDR said something along the lines of, he's not going to do that again. So why would I fire someone, you know, who has all that knowledge now and who you know that he's not ever going to make that mistake again. Smart man, that FDR. It was was, was (laughs) something like that. So at the end of the day, is it a mistake? I mean, obviously that was a mistake, but it wasn't a mistake that you didn't learn from. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's it's okay with being mistakes. So, and I think the important thing is once you do that, comfort zones expand. It's all good. It's a, it's a process. So that's what we're going to talk about yes. in Floss Free Society. It's just yeah, it's falling down and failures, and it's going to be super depressing. And then we're just going to lift you back up. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's all about. It's about storytelling. It's about having fun, and and it's about being there for the community. Cool. So if you guys have any suggestions on what you want to hear us talk about, reach out to us on our Boss Re Society page on Facebook or at Boss Re Society on Twitter. And we have some exciting stuff coming up too. We're going to be creating a group. Yes, oh. our wait. I'm not even going to give the name. Ooh, you almost. <laughs> I almost did too. I I know. It's a little peek under the kimono there. We're going to hold back. Yeah, we're we're not going to give we're not going to give everything away right here. (laughs) We're going to give away the store. (laughs) All right. So cool, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on our next episode. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Boss Free Society podcast. If you want more. Connect with us on Facebook at Boss Free Society fan page, Twitter at Boss Free Society, or join our group of other boss-free-minded peeps at the Boss Free Dojo on Facebook.